Hello and welcome ladies and gentlemen to the very first episode of Overthrows in which we're going to be talking about current affairs news on cricket. This will not be Overthrows next week onwards. The cricket stuff, everything on the field will be Overthrows and Uncovered will be the current affairs episode. We're just splitting up these podcasts in two so that it's easier for you guys. You, you've confused hmm. me now. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, um, but yeah, I think what, I think what you yeah, said we'll, is correct. We'll figure it out after this one. Of course, it's a trial an error sort of situation. But anyway, lots of fun stuff to talk about. I want to start start with the West Indies clapping back. And maybe I should have put in Brathwaite claps back over here because you might have caught that news of Rodney Hogg calling the West Indies pathetic and hopeless. And then after Brathwaite won that test in the post-match interview, he basically said that they used that as motivation. And he kind of flexed his muscle and he said, are, are these big enough for you now? A talk now, Viv moment. In uh, you know contemporary cricket, um, what do you make of it? <laughs> I mean, no one gives a shit what Rodney Hogg says <laughs> to begin with. So I find it absolutely incredible that any human. So Rodney Hogg is the guy who said that. I'm trying to remember what it was, but he like he got he tweeted something incredibly racist mm. aimed at Muslim people at one mm. stage. Um, it's just he's just full of shit and he says things and doesn't get you know doesn't get a lot of attention and I'm so I'm shocked that a um, they, they noticed it. This is what I would say. I'm trying to think of who it was. I think it was when Colin Graves took over, um, West, uh, took over the ECB. So quite a few years ago now he took over the ECB and I think their next tour was the West Indies. And, you know, he's interviewed and he said, well, we should beat the West Indies. They're an ordinary side. And, um, West Indies drew that series, I think, or maybe they even won that series, but they certainly didn't lose it. And whoever the captain was, and I, it's a while back, so I can't remember, it might have been Darren Sammy, said, oh, we use that as motivation hmm. to win. And I was like, but you didn't win the first test, right? So when it was first said, <laughs> and a couple of days later when you played, no motivation. <laughs> and then a week later, motivation. It's the same with Rodney Hogg. What happened in the first test? You weren't, he's, you had to keep repeating his comments. <laughs> it's, the point being is that, and West Indian cricketers do this a lot. Um, you can go back to the whole, I think it was Darren Sammy again, bringing up the Mark Nicholas um, comments about them being brainless. Uh, you know, all these different things that they will use. What about all the times they fucking lose Bayram <laughs> and people say that they're shit, right? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's nonsense. And, and I remember saying this, and Alan Butcher, former Zimbabwe coach and Surrey legend, it's like, if, if you think that they haven't used this as motivation, um, then you don't know as much about cricket as people think you do. And I was like, why didn't it work in the first test? That's all I'm asking, right? Why did it only work here? And what about all those other tours, right? All those many, many tours and World Cups when everyone said, this team's rubbish, they won't do very good, and they don't win, Yeah, right? I, 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 I think it actually diminishes the West Indian talent at times when they say this, right? Like in 1996, sorry, 2016, they didn't need Mark Nicholas calling them brainless to win that mm -hmm. World Cup. They were playing smarter cricket than everyone else, yeah. right? You, you can always, I'm not saying you can't do it, but to make a big deal of it, it's just like, what? And, you know, they always do well against England in the West mm. Indies. England isn't particularly well suited to playing cricket in the West Indies. They just don't, if, you know, the pitches don't suit them. Um, and they always make mistakes when they go there and the West Indies get fired up and play really, really good cricket. Um, uh, how many, what about when they were in Australia last time and everyone said they were crap, the West Indies, <laughs> right? Why didn't it work that time? So to me, it diminishes 
the good cricket that they play to pretend that you need to do that. And also it, it's just confirmation bias, right? Like of all the other times, so many teams in the world are written off or someone says something crap about. And, and I think in, it's no different than, you know, we just, I don't know if you listen to the podcast we did on, on sledging and trash talk we did with the American guy, uh, Rafi. Um, uh, yeah, it's a really good point. If you haven't listened to it, I think you'd really like it, Bayron. There's a bit of science about trash talk. Yeah. Now. There is no doubt that there are certain people who, when you say something negative about them, take it and mm. use it, right? But, you know, but you, you've watched The Last Dance, yeah. right? So there's that story about uh, Michael Jordan smashing that guy because he said something um, and Jordan used it as motivation. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out the guy never said anything to him. Yeah. Right. And there's there's a great uh, there's a great story about Shaquille O'Neal sort of um, saying that every time he went up against David Robinson, he destroyed him because David Robinson didn't give him an autograph when he was mm -hmm. a kid. Complete lie. Made up story. Right. Athletes don't need your uh, what's the name of Steph Curry's um, the movie on Steph there's Curry. a movie on Steph Curry. It's called, like, yeah. Uh, can well, you Steph used to now? get motivated or riled up when people used to say shit about his wife. Right. I remember that. God, yeah. Um, Steph Curry movie. Sorry, because this is—it's perfect. It's—you'll understand exactly what I mean. It's called Underrated. Mm. Now, Steph Curry went number seven in the draft. He was probably the most lauded college player of all time, and he's the son of a professional uh, basketballer, a really yeah. good basketballer as well. And his brother is a professional basketballer. Mm. Right? He wasn't underrated. Right? He was six foot three. People weren't sure how his body would transform into the NBA, but he was still the seventh best player in the world, mm. a, a seventh best um, player outside the NBA in the world that yeah. year, right? Turns out he goes on to be absolutely great. Michael Jordan didn't go number one mm. pick either. Lots of great players have not gone number one. Kobe Bryant went number 14 or oh. 15. Giannis also went lower, right? But they need to build this narrative. And when I heard Brathwaite say that, I'm just like, oh, you don't need to do that. Just, you know, you can make up your own nonsense. <laughs> thing of, of that and and i remember you know being involved with the cpl uh you know with our team and our team had darren sammy and karen pollard and david warner mitch mcglinnigan and muhammad sammy and mark chapman and ks ahmed right like rocking hmm. cornwall good players right and there was a point at which we had a we had a game where we came back after a really bad loss. And I wrote, instead of writing analysis, I literally just wrote Brad Hodge's speech, mm. right? Which is like, you know, my any given Sunday screenwriting moment, but in real life, right? And part of it was this whole narrative that everything had gone mm. against us. But I kind of more meant it in the thing of, there wasn't a conspiracy against yeah. us. Just that in, you know, our schedule was packed mm. in a weird way because our owner wanted something. And, you know, a couple of key moments had gone against this. And, you know, and, and you know, all, all these sorts of little things that, that were going on. And and I talked to some of the players and, you know, they loved that, right? And we went out and won that mm. game. And I saw some of the players afterwards and they were like, so do you really think, like, um, the CPL's got something against us? <laughs> I went, no. CPL needs you to succeed, right? Because you're the shittest franchise. If you don't succeed, that's a big issue. They won't be able to sell it to anyone. Yeah. If, if you guys don't get a little bit better. But they, they really had started to buy into this whole narrative of like us against mm. the world. And how many athletes have we seen like that before? But what I would always say, Behram, is why don't you just try and make yourself the best you can be every single day, not just when some player who hasn't played since, I don't know, 1985 <laughs> comes out and says something stupid when he always says something <laughs> stupid. It's just that there isn't always a microphone in front of him, yeah. right? Like Rodney Hogg's, 
He's a professional. Well, no, he's not even a professional idiot. He's a amateur mm. idiot, right? Like, what Rodney Hogg? How many of these players? The fuck would they know who Rodney Hogg was, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I'm sure the I'm sure the um uh the uh Wikipedia hits of Rodney Hogg went up. Oh yeah. After he said those comments, because of all these people go, damn that. Guy. Who's that guy again? Do we need to look? Hundred percent. I mean, when I saw that muscle pumping uh, video or whatever, it made me chuckle. I immediately thought of Dinesh Ramdeen and the whole talk now with thing. And also, I was observing Isha Guha's face. And if you want to rewatch that video or whoever is watching, just go and rewatch that video and look at Isha Guha. She does not know how to respond to that. She's like, that's a Fair well, comment to make, <laughs> something like that. I I don't mind. I actually don't mind the idea mm. that um that you're you're if someone says something in the media, mm. you know, and I, I've been called out by players mm. before, and and you know, you it'll definitely happen to you mm-hmm. in your career. I actually don't mind that, but I hate the lie. Yeah, that I said this negative thing, and that because I said it, you went out and mm. won. Go in the you you want some negative stuff? People are slagging you off. People are slagging you off and me off right now oh, as yeah. we talk someone, somewhere in the world. Someone said in the comments right? that this video already has twenty seven dislikes. I don't know what pissed whoever off, but clearly there's something there that we said. Uh, anyway, you you mentioned how the, there's other stuff, right? Remember that tweet by uh, Indian uh, sports journalist uh, Vikrant Gupta in which he said that the West Indies should disband into individual island nations and oh, yeah. they should, you know, that way they'll get motivation or whatever. I don't know why motivation is a thing in this, whereas we all know the problem that surrounds West Indies cricket is not motivation, but paychecks. But basically, uh, do you remember that Hillary Clinton tweet in which she basically put up a picture of her baby self and tweeted future US president or something like that. Well, she mm. did that. And that is probably the worst age tweet I've ever seen in my life. And that Vikrant Gupta tweet about the West Indies disbanding is probably the cricket equivalent of that. I, I co-tweeted it again. And I said that this is exactly like this. This tweet has aged like Shamar Brooks. Also, again, I've done it again. Shamar Joseph's rise to stardom. Only if Shamar never left Barakara and all of the trees over there were set on fire. <laughs> Basically, it's uh, yeah. And look, I, I I have got no problem with people having opinions, right? Like I think that's a perfectly it's hmm. fine. Ha- have yeah. your opinions on on sport and everything else. Um, people are going to get things wrong. What was that tweet we had a couple of weeks ago uh, that you showed me, which was um, out of context yeah, cricket yeah. put up when it was the guy who said that Harry Brooks wasn't um, wasn't serious hmm. enough because he wasn't playing in the in the series for personal hmm. reasons, and then he said, I hope. I hope Virat Kohli gets better with all of his yeah, personal issues like as soon as possible, mm-hmm. right? That sort of stuff. I think it's if you put it out there, like if you're, I mean, Rodney Hogg, former Australian player, a little bit disgraced, as mm. I said, because of the sort of racial connotations of some of the stuff that he said publicly before. But people are still going to put a microphone mm. in front of him. He's probably going to still turn up in places and, and do stuff. Um, I've got no problem with that. If you say that, being put on blast. Like I've had that yeah. before. I can't. You know, I've had uh, um, that. That's more than fine, but let's not pretend it is more than what mm. it is, right? Like, if you want to clap, as you said, if you if you want to clap back, fine, clap back. Don't pretend that it had anything to do with the victory. That's just nonsense. Yeah, and I mean, if anything, Shamar Joseph, we should ask him what motivated him, right? Because he's ultimately the guy who got you seven wickets with a sort of broken toe, bowling twelve overs on the bounce or whatever. There was a break in between, but still, we're still going with that narrative. Also, just before we move away from the West Indies, right? Brian Lara teared up. Carl Hooper was mm. overcome with emotion and I get it. 
You know, Pakistan hasn't won a test match in uh, Australia since 95. The West Indies hadn't won since 97. They hadn't defeated Australia at all in test cricket since, what was it, 2003, maybe? Uh, yeah, that, that's our one test. And Pat Cummins also kind of chimed in. He was like, you know, the fan part of him is happy. He was exchanging yeah. shirts with Shamar Joseph. He put up a story. All of that nice, fun stuff, you know. Uh, very wholesome content and love that. But this won't really do anything for the West Indies moving forward. That's what is tragic about it because, you know, it's not like, oh, they found these this group of players and they're going to continue to win. It's not going to happen because they're still outrageously inexperienced. The West Indies still has an issue where the finances can't cover test cricket and you end up losing money and players are baited away by T20 leagues. None of that has changed. As much as we can say that, oh, a strong West Indies is good for cricket, that's not what's happened over here. And uh, the guys at the Caribbean Cricket Podcast even tweeted that, that we're done hearing this. If you want to actually do something, you know, fix the finances, yeah. help us out. Because we can write the fairy tale story, but in the larger scheme of things, West Indies cricket has not gone up a notch. It's still where it is. No, exactly. Um, yeah, I... I there's one thing I want to get back to as mm. well of that tweet that you mentioned before. And let's be honest, who was, who'd you say it was? Vikram, Vikram, Vikram Gupta. Yeah. Um, he's not the first person to say it. In fact, between the tests, I was contacted by someone from mm. the West Indies who's a you know, fairly prominent person contacting me and saying they should be disbanded. Mm. All right. And you talked about motivation, yeah. which is what the other guy was saying. If they played for their mm. nations, they'd be more motivated. Carl Hooper is from Guyana. Mm -hmm. Brian Lara is from Trinidad. They were both in tears when the West Indies yeah. won. We're you really saying that there isn't motivation there still. Look at the way the West Indians celebrated mm -hmm. that victory. Are we saying they didn't they didn't have a motivation to be good for the West Indies? The problem isn't that. And it's never been yeah. that. It is, you know, and you and I have covered this a million times, but it is the structure of world mm. cricket. It is the inability to make good amounts of money from the, the Caribbean islands. Um, it's, you know. It just is what it is. And we wouldn't have that test victory if these islands had been split up and they might get yeah. split up, right? It, there's nothing, it, It's a, such a loose coalition that it could easily fall apart one day and, and go back the other way. Fine. You know, we all got to live with the West Indies and some of us have great memories and, you know, a couple of people won't because they just saw them mm -hmm. lose a lot. That's life and things will move on and everything else. But it just you watch Carl Hooper and Brian Lara, and you, you just know it's still and the, and the and the players on the field. You just know that it still means yeah. something. None of that. And to go back to you know uh, uh, Michelle and Santoki's overall point, I get frustrated with mm. that too because I'm uh, and this whole thing of and I th I think Tony Cozier said this to us when we filmed him for the documentary, and I can't remember if it's in the movie or not, but I remember him saying, um, people always say uh, that world cricket is only strong if West Indies are strong, but no one ever does anything yeah. about it. You know, and it's the same. That's one of the reasons we made the film was very, very similar to that. Not so much about the West Indies, but just everyone's always saying that test cricket is dying, but no one actually ever does mm -hmm. anything about it. So it, it you know, th this kind of this non-stop non ending loop uh, around cricket. And it's just, I don't know, very frustrating. Yeah. So for those of you who think that this is a, this is the start of something special, and I'm not saying there's no chance that happens, but there's not a big chance that happens. Things will go back to normal. West Indies won't win a lot of test matches, at least against the, you know, more wealthier nations uh, or boards. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, I hope that at least there's some careers that come out of this, which is always the case whenever we see exciting talent from that part of the world. And if anyone wants to know more about motivation and what cricket means to the island people in the Caribbean, go watch Fire in Babylon. I mean, that is a must-watch if you were a cricket enthusiast, I feel. Also, Jared's movie. Go watch that as well. His documentary, Death of, the, uh, of a Gentleman. But anyway, on that note, we'll take a break. We still have other talking points to talk about on Overthrows. You're with Behram and Jared. Stay tuned. Remember that cricket is a funny game. 100 years before we protected our heads, players looked after their groins. So don't be as stupid as old cricketers and protect your computer today. NordVPN is the protection I use when facing cyber shortfalls or when rights issues try to dismiss me. NordVPN will help you get through the straight bat of any geo blocks so you can watch all the cricket you want. If you need your pitch changed, well, NordVPN can doctor any surface to a new location so that your IP address is set up for you to win. Want to buy an associate cricket shirt from a place that won't ship to your country? Select NordVPN. Want to watch a game on a free stream in another hemisphere? NordVPN. Or if you just want to watch a clip on social media that a cricket board won't allow you to, promote NordVPN to pinch it for you. So if you need a VPN, go Nord. Use nordvpn.com forward slash Kimber to get a huge discount off your Nord VPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. The link is in the show notes. Protect your computer like a cricketer protects its nether region with Nord VPN today. Welcome back to Overthrows. You with Behram and Jared and... Uh, just a couple or three days or something like that before the England and India series kicked off, Jared, all hell broke loose on Twitter because uh, uncapped left-arm off-spinner Shoaib Bashir, who was another Crick Viz pick, by the way, by England for the series, his visa did not come through, his Indian visa, that is. And it's not the first time we've seen something like that happen for a player of Pakistan origin because he's born in England. He's born in Surrey, right? So this guy is English through and through. He has never lived outside of England. So, basically, we've seen this with Usman Khwaja before in the past as well. And it's not something that particularly surprises you. But then, of course, England went on to make a big deal out of it, as they should, I suppose. And there were a lot of articles written. But then, later, we find, found out that, in fact, they had gotten to the UAE. And that stamp or visa, whatever Shoei Bashir was supposed to get, had to happen in the Indian consulate back in London. So that was a technicality over there. But it's still like an issue. Visas in India are an issue. I mean, who, who knows that better than you, right? <laughs> it's just funny that you're saying all this to me and I'm sitting in London because I couldn't get my visa in time for India. I think, I think I've got, I must have applied for nine visas to India mm -hmm. over my career and got seven of them. The company that they use, um, I forget the name of them, just dreadful mm -hmm. uh, to deal with. It's unprofessional. There's so many things that are just stupid. I found that the few times I've had to deal with the Indian government directly, much easier. Um, so I do lay a lot of the blame. And it's that's not the only, you know, I've had, had situations like that with other countries as well, mm. Australia and England. Like sometimes you, you they they outsource this thing to these other, company, uh, other companies and the companies just aren't any better than a government mm. would be, right? Um, and they cause more issues in some cases. Um, so look, I'm not the right person to talk about this, and you're probably not the right person to talk about this either, because you would struggle to get a visa, mm. um, and I, and I just struggled to get yeah. a visa. So we're both very warped on this particular topic. One thing I would say is that 
you know, I, I commentated with Harsha Bogley, um, and he said on TalkSport that this was a storm in the teacup, but I wasn't on air at the time. And I was like, no, it's not. England couldn't pick their yeah. player uh, for the first test uh, because And of they this. announced their uh, squad I'm, way in early December. I mean, they applied for his visa on yeah. December 11th. A lot of those guys got their visa before Christmas. There's a lot of countries that it's hard to get a mm. visa for, let's be honest. And I think India is certainly on that list. Um, you know, America is probably one that can be tricky at times. But some of the other countries have managed to streamline it a mm. little bit. I do think, I think there's a couple of issues here. There's the Indian visas are crap, mm. right? And, and I don't think the system works particularly well. There's obviously England made an yeah. error as well. But I think we know in most countries in the world that that would have been mm -hmm. fine. And he, he, you know, it would have been handled. And then there's the Pakistan issue that he has Pakistani yeah. heritage. And I, I saw someone online saying, well, what if he, he goes over there and he, um, uh, and he talks to someone who's in a sleeper cell, um, and passes them some whatever. And I was just like, yeah, but he's going to get the visa. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he can do that for the second <laughs> test, mate. Like, that doesn't, do you that's know what I mean? Like if that's the way you're thinking, then you shouldn't let anyone with any Pakistani heritage ever in All the country. All these guys, right? uh, Moin Ali goes there to play IPL. Imran Tahir goes there. Azim Mahmood, who is still very Pakistani. Sure, he's, he has a British passport, but he's as Pakistani as Pakistanis get. He's gone and played the IPL. It's not an issue for every time. And not time. just playing yeah. either. Commentators. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, there's been... So... You know, I, it, it is what it is. Um, and we're all aware of it. It's not the only time that this, you know, the India-Pakistan mm -hmm. issue um, causes yeah. problems in, in cricket. And It's probably you know, not the last time. Not going to, I'm not yeah. going to say, I don't think it's, I don't think this is, I don't think Shohan Bashir's <laughs> visa is going to change relationships between India and Pakistan going yeah. ahead. Um, although, what is that? Imagine if he was the Basil Dolavira <laughs> of, of India-Pakistan. Anyway, um, but, but yeah, look, it's, it's a pain. I have said this though before, and I'm going to be very clear on this. You work in franchises and you work with international cricket. I think if you were someone who loves cricket, who's an expert on visas around mm. the world, you should be setting up a mm. business and you should be going to each individual cricket board, telling them what your speciality is. And I, I think you could find me tweeting about this a decade wow. ago, right? Because I used to be a travel agent. I know a little bit about this sort of stuff. And because I've had to apply for so many frigging visas to so many frigging mm. countries. I, I, we, we had one when I wasn't, I was, when I was with St. Lucia, I didn't realize we were flying via America mm. and I didn't, I hadn't booked in, uh, what's it called? The Oh, you must know because I was Pakistani for the longest time till I became Canadian and visas were hell for me. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so I didn't get to fly with the team because I got stuck in Jamaica for an extra day. And and so I've been on this thing for so long. There should be specialists involved and that's what their job is. And they should just consult each cricket board over and, and they don't even always have to do it. But then the cricket board has an expert and be like, oh, well, we've, we actually, we've had this happen to us again recently. We can actually fix, fix this for you, right? It shouldn't be like the ECB's lawyer. They're not a visa expert. Yeah, but what I right? would say like, is that the ECB has had a couple of instances in the past which they can draw from, you know. I mean, Atif Nawaz also didn't get a visa to cover the World Cup. He couldn't go, so they could have contacted the BBC. Basically, they need to know what sort of process is there for people who need to go with Pakistan origin, right? Because you don't want this to happen in the future. You can't announce your squad in November. It will be announced in early December or whatever. So it's not like yeah. there was no time in between. It wasn't like it, this was delayed or anything. 
and it's it's an unfortunate no. reality that we live in another unfortunate reality is that when i started tweeting about it i got a lot of hate a lot of people started telling me that oh we have to assume every pakistani is a terrorist until proven otherwise which is a fucked up view to have you know and shay bashir that kid is 20 that kid was born in surrey he's in the english system that kid is not a terrorist and like jared said he's going to get a visa eventually even if no but here that's the thing let's imagine he was a terrorist mm. all right Obviously we know he's not. <laughs> Let's push that to the side. Let's imagine he was. He's still going to get yeah. the visa. They're not going to keep him out for the whole time. So it's a pointless argument to have in the first Particularly. place. Particularly right? and, and and it's like it's not like they were going through every single thing he'd ever put online or going through his friends. No one from the Indian consulate went out to interview every person that he what you know that that is at that point you'd be like I mean, we still think you're nuts, but fine, you're putting in the work, mm. right? So it, it's a bit ridiculous. But as I said, I just think in general in cricket, visas are so important. Yeah. The amount of times, if you go through, the amount of times a player will be um, hired for an IPL league, uh, sorry, IPL league, a um, a T20 franchise league, right, and not end up going because of visa issues. You know, I and I have to knock back work all the time for the same reason. Of sometimes it's really hard for me to get a visa at the last mm. minute. In I think I was I think I was offered a job for the road safety oh. um, series a couple of years ago. They were like, you know, come out and do some stuff, and I was like, well, it starts next week, <laughs> uh, and I said I can't get a visa. And I remember when we were at Crick Info, we had the same sort of issues. And to be fair to the BCCI, I remember them being really, really good about. Uh, you know trying to help but not really being able mm. to help and i know they're very good for written journalists a lot of the times weirdly enough the bcci don't seem to help the broadcast mm. journalists as much um and i don't really i don't know if that had you know if that was one of the reasons artif because if you don't have the bcci mm. on on your side if you don't have a letter directly from them it does get tricky yeah. um like i think this time i didn't have a letter from the bcci i had a letter from whoever we bought the rights mm. from i can't even remember who it was now but we had a letter from someone else and even that If you say you're going for cricket, but the BCCI hasn't right. said that you're coming, or or a local cricket board hasn't said, it, all these things are tricky. The point being, we have known this is tricky for a mm. very very long time. And if you do, the India Pakistan one is the obvious yeah. one, and this was, you know, Ben Stokes made a bigger deal of it um, than usually mm. happens, right? But the truth is that right across cricket, I promise you, if you if you look at cricket visa mm. um, in Google history, in you know, in Google News. um you'll actually find a lot more stories than you would think because a lot of them are underage tournaments yep. random uh freelance play or oh, not freelance players but you know random uh T20 players you know all that sort of stuff these things actually happen a, a lot mm. and it it's just it's one of those things where i think there should be just experts who can deal with this um and they're not there at the moment yep. and you know it 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 causes an issue but there's pl- plenty of different mm. parts of this story as, yeah. as and it's said, not even a one to one thing it doesn't always happen to players with pakistan origin it happened this, this no time. and that's the other yeah. thing it, there was a bunch of us um who applied for the same visa to go to india this time with what we all thought was the exact same pa- uh, paperwork and as i said some people were approved and some people weren't mm. like it, what, what what do you do with that yeah. like we're looking at it going how does it, how has this happened mm. right the, these things just it, you know it it is a, a very complicated system yeah. and a lot of things go wrong with it it is not the only country that has yeah, that yeah. Oh, i mean um, pakistan you know. did this to australia spin bowling coach uh, shriram i think he wasn't able to travel with the team when they came to pakistan but a lot of people were hitting me back with this how does that make the other thing right 
okay pakistan's wrong yeah, but take your water boundary and just just shove it up your ass or something i'm not here for it anyway yeah. one thing i will mention on a closing note is that jay shah's dad jay shah the secretary of the bcci his dad is the home minister of india so if they really wanted to expedite the process they kind of could have <laughs> can i go a different go direction <laughs> when if let's say a team is like is turning up and they're only turning up like three or four days before a test mm. match could a team be machiavellian mm. and perhaps go well, if we don't let their star opening bowler opening batter and captain ah. <laughs> we might have a chance in this first time. anyway i'm i'm not suggesting teams should do this Barum. i'm just putting it out there into the universe yeah. because it would be very funny and um it would be mad but it would be great if i think dan lipkeep put out a tweet right in which he said that it only makes sense that india starts choosing the opposition squad now as well or something like that it was really hilarious but uh, yeah i mean it's unfortunate feel for the lad uh, hope he gets to play in this series yeah i think that's yeah, the biggest issue basically. isn't it it's a 20 year old hmm. kid trying to play yeah. cricket for his country and you know he gets in, he gets caught up in shit he doesn't want like his name would be dragged across social mm. media and it's like what well, he just yeah. play he just wants to play and in a I think, match. He probably wasn't going to play anyway. I think yeah, maybe perhaps he wasn't going to play, you know, you never know. It was probably between him and Hartley and Hartley has more first class games under his belt, I believe, so maybe he would have been a better choice. I I don't know. These are all like hypotheticals at this point. Yeah. But I mean Stokes also kind of honed in on that that he feels for Bash is what he calls him and and I mean that's ultimately it. You don't want to rob a kid of his dreams. He's probably dreamt of wearing that England cap and this is already a big thing for him. because he wasn't supposed to be on this tour no one knew much about shweb bashir yet there he was so yeah hopefully that you know if he gets a game everyone wins at this point because england already won the first test so they won't be complaining um moving forward to our final talking point of overthrows today australia day something that uh, has come under the microscope uh, i've heard or well pat cummins has said that it comes up every year and uh, basically for those yep. people for those of you who don't know 26th of january i believe is when australia day is celebrated because that's when the fleets of the colonizers first landed in australia so there is a bit of a marred history over there and there's no reason why it shouldn't be controversial it should be and i get it like if scotty bolan's part of your squad and you're having that sort of a celebration i understand where pat cummins is coming from but he is of course the woke prince that was promised for cricket Pat Cummins of course he said that you know maybe we should choose another day that's a strong statement coming out of him because you know the survey suggested that people under the age of 30 and thereabouts are more so aligned with Pat Cummins world view and Steve Smith also through his weight behind his captain and then you know the older generation not so much so uh, it is uh, definitely a talking point child Thanks to the kind folks at FlexiSpot for looking after my office and my butt by sending me their E7 Pro desk that save your favorite desk heights at a touch of a button. You don't have to crank anything. This thing just finds the height that you like and you can work. And their BS12 Pro chair that supports my posterior while I'm recording well this ad and all my shows. If you need great desks, especially ones that change heights or the best quality chairs, head on over to FlexiSpot. I think Ashley Gardner made a big strong statement about it um last year if I if I think it was last year certainly another indigenous cricketer probably you know after Jason Gillespie Australia's you know most prominent indigenous cricketer um you know cricket has a bad history with indigenous people so it's it's just, cricket's always on a on a delicate place um look the thing about Australia day is here's the funny thing when I grew up I don't remember anyone giving a shit about Australia. Really? Day. 
Like I can tell you a single person who celebrated Australia Day. My auntie talks, she goes, oh, I think we put flags up. And she loves Australia Day now. And I said, I've been at your house on Australia Day. I saw nothing <laughs> in your house, right? There was no celebrations. We didn't do anything on Australia Day that we didn't do on any other day. It, I think it was slightly bigger in other, some other cities outside of Melbourne, to be fair. Australia Day sort of becomes popular partly on the back of, and this is going to sound weird, but there's an alternative radio station in Australia that does the top 100 alternative hmm. songs. And it kind of becomes, it sort of has a little bit of that. Plus, during the 90s, Australia becomes a lot more nationalistic. Hmm. And, you know, uh, that's when they start wearing the baggy greens, ah. right? Like, you know, we have, to, we have to all dress the same. And, you know, John Howard becomes... Um, uh, the prime minister and there's a, almost a throwback uh, to patriotism and, and all those sorts of things that you know, racist uh, parties start springing up like the one nation mm -hmm. party and, and, and things like that. But when I grew up, I just don't remember it. I mean, my, certainly I don't know a single person in my street who ever did any celebration of Australia. Now compare that to India, which celebrate the exact same yeah, day, the right? Republic day or something like most of, yeah, that's, that's quite mm -hmm. big. Like it's a, it's a thing. And, um, so it does show you how different it is and it's become a big issue. I think I always think about these things very, in a very similar way. If you would explain Australia day to a six year old, which I've had mm. to do, their question is going to be, but why don't they just move the day? Mm. Yeah. If you want to right? celebrate the day for being Australian, which I'm completely for, nationalism is problematic, but we all have an identity and it's okay to celebrate your identity, right? Uh, as per me. Yeah. So pick another, that's what Pat Cummins said. He said, maybe we should pick another, a different day. <laughs> and, and, and it's funny, these whole generations, and I've had fights, as I said, I, I had a fight with my auntie about this one. Uh, and, and she was like, you know, we shouldn't have to. We've always celebrated that day. And I was like, I must have missed all the celebrations because <laughs> I didn't see shit for, for many years, right? Like, I can tell you one thing. My entire life, we celebrated the Melbourne mm. Cup, right? It's a fucking horse race, mate, <laughs> right? We have a public holiday for it in Melbourne. The whole country stops to watch this fucking horse mm. race, right? Good horse race, 3,200 meters, handicaps. Got some fun thing, you know, things about it. Um but the whole country stops to do that. And I remember that happening again and again and again and again and again, right? I must have missed all the Australia. The only Australia Day celebrations I'm ever aware of was the fact that there was usually a game on in Adelaide, right? So there was a cricket uh, relationship to, to Australia Day. It's in the middle of the yeah. summer. Chances are you're going to play on that day. Um, and the Triple J um, Hottest 100 competition. They're the only two things that I ever really associated with, Austra with Australia Day. As I have said to many Australians who get very angry about this, I celebrate, celebrate being Australian every day yeah. by being Australian. Mm -hmm. I don't need a specific day. If you do need a specific day, that's great. Why don't we not piss off the indigenous mm -hmm. people, right? By having it on the same day that they felt like they, their lives all changed. 100% agreed. Right? That's, all, that's all we're yeah. saying, right? Right? It, it, it's a simple thing. And it's not going to go away right <laughs> while cricket is still being played around that period yeah. and that's the no no one's asking aussie rules footballers or rugby players or nba players about about this directly all that often because they're not playing in an australia day game yeah. while cricket has the game on australia day it's obviously going to be more of an issue so i i feel sorry for Ashley Gardner, Pat Cummins, the players who want, don't want Scotty it to be Scotty Boland, I think, I've heard Scotty Boland has issues with it. And I, it makes sense. He's got Indigenous heritage. I, yeah, and, I, and to be fair, also the Indigenous players who don't care, mm. they still get dragged into this yeah. as well. And I know I, 
I don't, you know, I don't know what Jason mm. Gillespie or or Darcy Short or you know Dan Christian. I would assume, you know, certainly in Dan Christian's case, I think he, he would he would be pretty against it. But there might be Indigenous players who don't give yeah. a shit, right? Or Indigenous players who are like, it's fine. Let's just we've we've we, there are more important mm. issues. All that's fine, but they all get dragged back into yeah. it, right? Um, and you know, it is a little bit ridiculous. Uh, and uh, I, and I, I do feel sorry for the cricket p- part of it, but. To go back to the joke I made about Shoah Bashir being the Basil Dolivera <laughs> of it, the cricket conversation around Australia Day might be part of the reason that one day it does yeah. change, right? And I personally, you know, I always, from the moment I realized there was an Australian Day and not just a day off at the end of January before I went back to school. Imagine, imagine um, Australia Day moving from the day when the colonizers' fleets arrived to the day that Pat Cummins chose. <laughs> Do you know? I mean, let's be honest. Oh, I was going to say, Australia Day should be the 3rd of January. Because hmm. of the first New Year's you know test? Hmm. Yeah. Because I was going to say it should be Boxing Day, but it's already, we've already got a yeah. holiday for Boxing Day. So we don't. Do you know what? It should be, it should be the day after Boxing Day <laughs> or the first day in Sydney, right? Um, that would be absolutely. That, I mean, that for me is, is very Australian. But, it, you know, uh, it's. I think it's great that modern Australian cricket... It's funny. I, I read Ricky Ponting's mm. book, which is fucking mm. long, right? And th- there's the first part of it is written by Peter Lawler about his childhood and coming up. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. The rest of it, Bayram, is the most boring <laughs> fucking drivel and ever written. It's like... there's. I promise you, it's like this big, long thing, and there's like a little thing of, I went to the gym today in it. And it's <laughs> like, just take... Can you not edit some of these diaries out of this? Right? And... um. I remember reading it and going, Ricky Ponting lived in Australia at a really interesting time. He's a proper Lonnie working class kid, but he lived in Australia, you know, he, he grew up in Australia that was becoming really middle class, mm. right? He traveled to Zimbabwe. He played cricket in Sri Lanka, right? He saw the rise of mm. India right in front of his eyes, right? Like, you know, all these incredible things. And you read his book and you're like, did Ricky Ponting notice <laughs> he was in these countries? Did he... You know, it's it's really remarkable how little he noticed. And look, there are going to be Australian captains who I don't agree with politically, mm. right? I mean, Mark Taylor, I think, was a, um, was involved with conservative politics. I don't, I don't think he ever got involved, but I think he supports conservative politics. Um, and there would be other Australian cricketers off the top of my head that would, would be in a similar... Um, in fact, I've got friends who've played and coached in Australia who are, you know, conservatives. Mm. Um they are in a unique position because they do travel around mm. the world and the, you know, they can actually sometimes cut through the quick of things, right. Of the nonsense yeah. of, you know, um, of, of all this sort of stuff, but also they are very much, I, I, I've always find it weird when people go, oh, celebrities shouldn't talk about this or athletes mm. shouldn't talk about this. And I'm like, look at some of the people who are political commentators. Mm the fuck have they done to yeah. it? They just wrote a shitty opinion piece column that like was full of like absolute nonsense and suddenly they're an expert on China <laughs> and Russia, right? And Pat Cummins can't talk about like his own country. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah, absolutely. Right? When when, pol- when politicians and mu- and um and uh, uh, other people in the world stop talking about sport when they don't know anything about it, we'll allow athletes not to talk yeah. about politics and everything else. But you know, you can't stop people talking about what they want. He truly believes Mm. this. And uh, this is a really little story of just about Pat Cummins. I was contacted by a, uh, a startup who wanted to do this. um, uh, They they had this idea. I don't really know how to explain it, but it was like, 
essentially getting athletes to donate mm. things and then using that money to, um, uh, for environmental causes, but then you would, you would go into a raffle and then you would go on a holiday with Pat Cummins or, oh. fa- or you could bowl to Pat Cummins in the nets or something. I'm just using Pat mm. Cummins cause I'm talking about him, but you know, it might've been the same with Ronaldo or, you know, LeBron James. That was the okay. whole idea was to get to as many famous athletes as possible. And, you know, I passed it through to Pat's people because I thought it might be something he really likes. And they were really excited. I don't know if the startup went in. I don't know what happened to the whole idea. But they were really excited because he was like, this is something that's perfect. He gets to hang out with someone who really wants to hang out with him and help the environment all at the same time. Like he genuinely cares about this sort Hmm. of stuff, right? Not everyone does. You and I both know there's plenty of people that say things just because they say things, right? And I love how Pat Cummins, for whatever he is, I mean, of course, he has been this woke ambassador in cricket, but he's not in your face. He does it very, like, subtly. He's very nonchalant about it. He doesn't, if you actually say him, uh, hear him say these things, it seems like he doesn't care, but he does because it seems like he's a genuine guy. And it's it's funny, Jared, just on a closing note, I suppose, how you were mentioning how people keep telling cricketers to shut up. Osman Khwaja was told to shut up and here he is, yeah. uh, best cricketer of the year. Pat Cummins has been told to shut up and focus on his cricket and here he is uh, having defended the Ashes in England, having won the ODI World Cup, having won the World Test Championship, still winning consistently before this Test match. You know, they are focusing on the cricket. So maybe you should shut up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's the, I remember when Pat Cummins, I think he lost the series early on. And, um, and it was after, I think he'd made the comments about the coal industry mm-hmm. and everything. And there was all this stuff about go woke, go broke. Yeah. Which is one of those phrases that only exists because it fucking mm-hmm. rhymes, because it's nonsensical otherwise. Um, and since that time, he's fucking won everything. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's ridiculous how much winning he's done since then. In fact, up until Shamar Joseph, he was, he was you know, probably one of the most successful cricketers um, going around. So that, look, obviously the whole thing's nonsensical. It, I've, I've said before. I support Tim Tebow's rights mm. to talk about the abortion issue, despite the fact that I find everything he says stupid and, uh, you know, reductive and uh, doesn't really help anyone yeah. at all. But Tim Tebow really believes about that, that mm. sort of stuff. Um, he should be allowed to talk about it. Right. And, um, uh, whether you agree with it or not, they are still, everyone is a hum- human being who lives on the yeah. planet. They get to interact with what they want to get to interact with. If your fucking uncle down at the coffee shop is going to talk shit about the flat earth, <laughs> right? I think, you know, your favorite footballer should be allowed to talk about it as well. We can laugh at both yeah. of them, right? But that is the thing that they believe really passionately because they've seen a YouTube video about and it. And now we have an entire podcast to talk about these sort of things exactly. So... I suppose on that note, we'll uh, call it a day, a long, long one uh, today. So we still have another footmarks to record. But thank you to everyone who tuned in and was in the comments section. We weren't very interactive today with you guys just because there was so much to cover. And we wanted to do justice to both of these test matches, uh, which we covered earlier in the previous podcast. But anyway, thanks for tuning in. Subscribe to this channel and Jared's other channel. We'll be back with uh, more uh, Uncovered and Overthrows podcast next week. That's all for now. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. This podcast has an ad-free version via Patreon, where there are also many other extras as well, including a Discord channel where you can chat to me directly. There is a link to the Patreon in the show notes. 
We are an independent podcast, so support us any way you can. Maybe give us a review, subscribe, or share on social media. All of these things help us. And when it comes to podcasts, word of mouth is always the best way of making it grow. If we had a guest on, chances are their socials are in the show notes. Please support everyone who comes on this show. I am Jared Kimber, and this is my network. But we also have hosts and co-hosts like Baron Kazi and Estelle Vassadavan. This network is overseen by Nick McCorriston, and each episode is produced by Ishit Kaburka at Sound Potion Studio. Mukunda Bandretti, or Muku as most people will know, is the head of our YouTube channels, and he also helps out with so many other things like the podcast recording. And there's so many other people we could thank here, but I just want to thank all the listeners and all the people who help behind the scenes that make this podcast work. If you are a podcaster who happens to waffle on and you need a way to cut down your long-form content, Memento FM is here to save the day. They turn your lengthy media into bite-sized chunks for even the most time-starved audience. Start using Memento FM today.